Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Hey, Work Stories family, welcome back. You're going to love our next guest as she is an incredibly charismatic woman who does one of the most fascinating jobs ever. Well, at least in my opinion. She makes our favorite TV shows. Yes, and she is going to tell us what actually happens behind the scenes and what it's like leading productions as a woman of color. Let's talk to Evelyn. So I am a New Yorker. I was born in one of the boroughs of New York City. I'm an only child. I am of Chinese descent, Cantonese to be specific. And my parents were immigrants that uh, came from Hong Kong and had to learn the language, the culture, and to literally find a new way of life. Right. I was born here. So I had a lot of riding on me being Chinese, yeah. you know, and an only child. I very early on understood the weight and responsibilities that I had and the mm. expectations that my parents had for me. You know, I am a television producer and director. I've been in entertainment for 20 something years now, God help me. <laughs> and I've been very, very fortunate to have the career that I've wanted and loved. But you know, when I first said to my parents, who again, were Chinese immigrants, I'm their only daughter, I'd like, I'd like to be in television. <laughs> You know, they basically, you know, crapped themselves. I mean, I think I could have walked in and said I wanted to be a nun and it would have went over a little bit better. My oh dad my lost his mind and my mom was very, very trepidatious. But, you know, in the end, she supported me, but they were both very, very concerned. So there was a lot of pressure and expectations. And, you know, I understand that. But um, at the same time, you know, they wanted the safe careers for me, you know, very respectable accounting, doctors, lawyers, and Lord knows you do not want me to be your doctor and you do not want me to do your bank account numbers because 
I failed math three times, Joy. Oh my God. Yeah, luckily I've been able to work in entertainment. It's an incredible amount of work, but in the end, they were supportive. There is some truth to the expectations and that weight culturally speaking, that I had to sort of contend with. And also, you know, there weren't many Asian people on screen and certainly not behind the scenes in America that I knew of. What was the first time in your life, if you can remember, that you felt the weight that you were referencing? Oh my God, I think from birth. Um, I'm not even kidding. Your I first mean, memory was formed. <laughs> my first memory. You know what? The expectation of doing well in school was always there. And I was a good student up until like junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. And I'll stand by this now. I just think eight classes a day of homework is like ridiculous. Crazy. I was, you know, truthfully just more interested in trying to fit in and be popular. And that's a whole nother conversation because growing up where I did, which was a predominantly Italian neighborhood. I was basically the only Asian person there. Maybe there was one other one. So, you know, that expectation had always been there in terms of doing well. And when I didn't do well in school, that gravity of concern was magnified and understandably. So I straightened out in college and I tried accounting and that was a huge mistake again because numbers. So yeah, I wanted to do entertainment. That was never a question. And thankfully, I've been able to have 20-something year career now, looking back. Well, first, I want to say congratulations because I, too, wanted to do entertainment as a child and teen. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if I got talked out of it or got scared or needed to be practical or a combination of those things, but it didn't happen. (laughs) And so anyone who makes it, I'm like, good job. You really (laughs) saved the course. You're doing it for all of us. Well, I appreciate that, but it, you have to be slightly um, tilted to be <laughs> to be in the entertainment industry because, you know, for all the reasons that you just said, I was terrified. It wasn't practical. So you had really good reasons not to do it. But, you know, sometimes when that's all you can think about, and it was very difficult for me to be satiated in entertainment. Like I just couldn't get enough of it. So that really, to me, was my calling. And I think you really do need to be a little bit messed up in the head <laughs> to do the work that we do, because I think as producers and directors, I think I can say this safely because I actually dated a doctor. I worked more than a doctor and I'm not saving anybody. Okay. Some people might say you're saving them, but okay, we'll say no for now. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So like if somebody, I'm sure this happens to you all the time, you go to an event or a mixer or you're hanging with your friends and somehow somebody finds out you're a television producer. I mean, you have to get the same reactions, right? It seems like a super shiny job. It's like so interesting, probably the most interesting thing to talk about in these spaces. But I'm sure there are a lot of misconceptions about working in the television industry. Can you kind of share some of those? I mean, look, I generally don't walk into a room and say I'm a television producer. In fact, that's usually the last thing I bring up. Mm. If I do go to an event and mixers, well, usually they're all industry insiders. So we all Mm. know what the other does. Yeah. And in that case, the conversation is, oh, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this. What are you working on? But on the occasion when people do ask me, the question really is, is, oh, what have you done that I've seen? Mm. Yeah. So that's true. In terms of its shininess, I mean, I'm sure you know this as well as I do. There's an absolute allure and seduction to the entertainment industry or anybody working in media. And yeah, it is totally sexy. It's totally fun. But at the same time, you have to understand that's all image driven. Mm -hmm. It's not real. And it takes teams and teams of people to put that together. Whether it is a celebrity and a look, it's an army of people 
putting that look together. And every single show has an army of people putting it together. And it's an incredible amount of work. It's a lifestyle, I say. Mm -hmm. It's not a job because you are at the mercy of a very fluid and ever-changing production schedule. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on a job and my friends know I'm working on a show or a project, they know not to ask me when I'm coming home or if I can make dinner. They know they can only call me if someone is either seriously sick. It's an emergency. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. The thing that people need to understand is entertainment of any form, even producing this podcast. And I think you could back me up on this, Joy. It takes a hell of a lot more work than anyone anticipates and expects. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like, okay, you know, there's certain jobs that in a description or when someone's interviewing you, they're like, we really need a people person for this job. Right. (laughs) And they're talking about sales or, you know, whatever else, but it seems like your job is the ultimate people person job. Because like you said, the teams are so huge right? that you are interacting with easily, like could be a hundred people a night, you know, depending how long the shoot is. Um, Tell me about that type of energy and that friendliness and that charisma needed to do that job and and be likable. Well, Joy, I appreciate all of that. I don't know if I would categorize myself as any of those things. Um, (laughs) I really think of myself as a little bit of a goober and a little bit awkward, but that's just me. But in terms of people skills, and I'm sure you have this quality too, you know, being a podcaster, your energy is up, which is great. And I really appreciate that. You're ready to engage in conversation. And I certainly appreciate that. And you're giving me a as much energy as I hope I'm giving you. You know what I mean? Mm. And that is always so incredibly important. Now, for me, this is my method to my madness. There's millions of ways to go about it. I always try to keep in mind that the shoot is only as good as the person in charge. So that energy is a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. The set is as good as the number one person on the call sheet. And for those who don't know what that means, it's like, you know, when you work on a show and there's a bunch of actors on it, the actors are usually referenced by numbers like one, two, three, four, five, six. One is usually the main character or the main lead, the actor. And usually that person or whoever's at the top between the number one on the call sheet or the executive producer, they are the ones that set the tone for the entire set. And I can say this, there have been great sets that I've been to, and it's all because of number one on the call sheet and the executive producer, where you walk in and you see everybody working so hard, caring so much, but being kind and compassionate. And it's an easy, fun set, even though brutal hours, difficult Mm. conditions, And there are other times when you go on a set and you feel like you need a massage 10 (laughs) seconds after you've arrived because it's much, much more pressure filled and you feel everybody walking like a little bit on a Mm tightrope. So for me, I just really try to remember that I have a team of people that I have to work with and I want to make sure I respect them, that I do everything that I can in my power to make sure that they have what they need to do their jobs and to try to have fun. But if I don't see someone stepping up, then obviously I address it. Now, I will wholeheartedly admit that being a woman and being Asian, that's a double minority, and also my stature, I'm five foot one. Mm. There are challenges of trying to convey that I am the producer and I am the director, but without coming off bitchy. Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, when women ask for things and you're not getting it and you have to be firmer, you can be viewed as shrewd or shrill or bitchy. And for the most part, I like to run a loose shoot. Easy, fun. You just got to do your job the best that you can. Yeah, You can kind of screw around and goof around and I'm down for that. But 
be professional, know your boundaries, and you know when to do it and when not to do it. But sometimes when that doesn't happen and I do need to step up, it's tough because they don't always take me that seriously or I have that much more to contend with and to get through like, this is what I want, so get it done. And those are the added challenges. Have you ever had a situation where you're doing your job and folks around you are doubting you or just not giving you the respect that you should get in that position? Definitely. There have been multiple times with either a petulant talent Mm -hmm. that was either cranky, didn't want to do what they were asked to do, and then they see me. So there's... It's hard for me to sort of say specifically that was the reason why they were they were right, like right. difficult. It could be a mix of the three, which it usually is. It's never one thing. But I've had PAs sort of dismiss or blow me off. And that's where I need to kind of step up. And it, it makes me feel bad, too, because it's tough. I don't want to pull rank. That's not how I roll. Right. But my job is as a producer, I'm the one in charge here. So it's a very difficult line to toe and I don't have a one size fits all. I basically just go case by case. But if that dismissive behavior continues, then I do need to pull rank and I do need to put my foot down. And if it continues again, well, then I have to address it. And I generally do not report someone mm-hmm. unless it's absolutely necessary. So things go wrong on shoots all the time, all the time. In fact, I think producing is just a series of problem solving without losing your your head. But when something is so extreme, then I address it. Otherwise, if we address it in the meantime and it's fixed for the most part and it's been addressed and everything's good, I kind of just let it go. Mm-hmm. However, there have been instances, and I will share one. I was on a crazy deadline with a major network where we needed to shoot and turn around like three hours of footage and condense it into 12 minutes overnight with an editor. So I shot the piece and I ran, you know, to do an overnight edit with this editor. It was an overnight thing. So it was like me and this guy, this older gentleman, and he was editing. And, you know, what he didn't know is I actually know how to edit. Mm -hmm. So I know what he's doing. And that's another thing. You have to know everyone's job because someone will try to pull something on you. He was basically very slow and making like screaming racial epithets at some of the people on the screen and making comments like, you know, really just derogatory things. And he was slow. We were missing deadline. And I couldn't really yell at him per se, because it's me and him in a building overnight (laughs) alone in a room. And he's screaming at the screen, racial epithets. And I'm Asian. And he was an older white gentleman. Mm -hmm. So I basically managed him as best as I could. But I did, in that particular case, go to my higher-ups and say, hey, look, we had an issue here. This is what happened. I wasn't comfortable in this room, and he wasn't really editing efficiently. Yeah. The way he was cutting, I could have cut it in half the time he did. So those were the only instances that I had to really step up and say something. And was it because I was Asian? Was it because I was a woman? Potentially. So in those cases, definitely run across Like, how much do I have to say and how much do I push or how much do I hold back? Mm -hmm. But when when things get done, even though it was maybe crazy or difficult and it's addressed, I usually just sort of let it lie. For the most part, most of my crews have been great. That's good. For that example you just gave, the first thing that came to mind is... Did If he had been doing a good job, if he was a great, efficient editor, would that have mattered if he was screaming 
Bachelor. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because Joy, I mean, imagine you're like in a room with this man by yourself overnight. I don't care how fast he is. First of all, what he was saying was completely inappropriate right. and unprofessional. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is there is something that makes me go, you know, is your mental health okay? Yeah. You know, so I think in that case, I would have said something anyway. And it was just tough all the way around. Did you feel like you had to add the part that he wasn't efficient as well to get them to, I don't know what the action was. I don't know if he wasn't hired for that project again or what, but did you feel like you had to say that part or people weren't going to take it seriously? No, that that's not why I said it. I said okay. it because he was not good. Um, and I knew, and I knew that was a problem because we were coming up against a deadline that we did not make. We right. missed it. Oh, you missed it. Right. We okay. did miss it. I did say something and here's the messed up thing. My executives on my side took it seriously. Mm -hmm. Fast forward is like a year later and a similar situation came up and I called my executives and I said, look, as long as we don't get X, Y, and Z from this company. And they were like, yeah, yeah. They have assured this company said it's not that da, 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 da. I walk in and guess who it is? <gasps> No. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Yeah, but this time I was prepared. I already braced myself. So I basically made light of the situation like, oh my God, it was such a difficult thing. And, you know, he was so stressed out. So I said, you know what? Why don't you do this? Why don't you go have a cigarette and I'll cut it and then you just kind of lay it off on mm -hmm. the tape. Right. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I, because I, I know the footage better than anyone and da, da, you know, I just kind of made up this whole song and dance. Yeah. And he went for it. And guess what? We made deadline. Oh, so I kind of took myself out of that situation because A, I wasn't in a room with a screaming, angry, racist person. Mm -hmm. And two, you know, we got it done. So I did all I could to mitigate that, but you know, there's always going to be times and Joy, I don't know if you've had this where you are not heard or respected based on who you are. Have you had this? <laughs> hmm. Let me think. Hmm. Uh, this is why day. you have the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is why this podcast is so important. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying is just reminding me, it is so exhausting to have to strategize all the time. <laughs> and we do it second nature. 
because it's a survival thing. We did it as sixth graders and yeah. college students and whatever. And so it's just part of our life. But when you really think about how much work goes into predicting what could happen, right? Preparing for everything. Yeah. And then really thinking through every interaction about 10 times deeper than our white counterparts or yes. male counterparts. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a lot of bandwidth and a lot of energy. Yeah. And when they're deciding your salary, I don't think they include that part. We would all be millionaires. <laughs> yeah. Now, to your point, it takes so much time and energy to think ahead and to come up with options and have them ready. So when it does happen, you kind of are ready and prepared. And that prep work is so exhausting that I don't realize how tired I am until like the end of the day. Exactly. Or like when you leave a job or, you know, you leave a, you know, if some people consult or a gig or a project, then you're like, wow, why do I feel so drained from this one thing? Yeah. You know, I think the only thing that we can do is to do what you're doing, to do what I'm doing, not only as individuals, but then also come together as a community and build one another up. You know, until we sort of body block for others that have maybe more of a price to pay or a higher price to pay, I don't think change is going to come. Yeah. I think we have to do it as individuals and also for each other and with each other in order to make that difference. Yeah. And I think there are opportunities a lot where people could step in and you know mitigate a situation or help out. But everybody is so trying to preserve self and scared. Yep. You know, everyone is so caught up in their own story and struggle. And sometimes it's really hard to be like, hey, you saw that was going to happen, didn't you? And you didn't, yeah. you didn't think to shoot me a message that it was about to go down or come and see me or just stop it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, great. Right? I mean, but here's the thing. And that's this is why this podcast is so important and people like you are so important. Because I also think that until someone else sees someone doing it and knows that it can be done mm -hmm. and how it can be done, representation. You yeah. don't know what's possible until you see it. Right. So I think that, you know, you continuing to be the person that you are in your day to day and also projecting and spotlighting other women on this podcast. I think that's the chain that we need to create and to push forward, because until we sort of boost each other up and see what is possible and what will happen once it's manifested, mm -hmm. it's hard for people to envision. Like if you're going for a job, right, and I just worked with somebody that like this crazy person that I just worked with, I would, and you told me you're working with him. I would be like, um, Joy, just a heads up, like on the DL, this is the situation I worked with and this mm -hmm. is the kind of guy he is. Mm -hmm. So you handle it however you want to, but you should at least have a heads up. Yeah. And then it allows me to prepare in advance, like yep. somehow give him more time to edit or, or know. not do the job, right. you know, <laughs> or go and complain or handle it however you see fit. Right. But I think until I saw it happen, like I didn't know that I could use my voice this way as well. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Speaking up is the biggest component of everything we talk about on this show. And it is the hardest thing for people. Yeah. The stakes are high. Yeah. Retaliation, loss of jobs. I get it. I get it. But if we don't do it, it just continues to spiral into a toilet. Yeah. Talk to me about boundaries in this industry. What do they look like? Setting boundaries for yourself around your time. Maybe it's a time thing, um, how you like to work, your process, or just asserting yourself and your needs. You know, out of all these people and all this power and play, how do you create boundaries and really assert yourself? Well, I kind of go in and I, I expect from everyone that I work with to step up and give a thousand percent as I would. But 
you have to get shit done and you have to do it great. Otherwise, you know, we're going to have to have a conversation or I'm going to have to get on you Mm -hmm. inherently in some way. Maybe it's an energy thing. My crew gets that because I don't normally go and say something very directly unless it's absolutely necessary. And there have been moments where I've had to pull a PA aside and say, hey, why did you call the publicist directly? Mm. Like, this is not your job. This is not your job. And, you know, his response at the time was like, oh, well, we all know each other. And he said, I understand that we all know each other and this person is really cool, but there's a hierarchy and a flow of communications for a reason. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you not to do that because that was not appropriate. And that has to come through me. And if you have any questions, you let me know. Mm -hmm. And I think once I say it like that, they know I mean it. Otherwise, I'm just sort of like, hey, what's up? You know, I'm very grateful to have the job that I love Mm -hmm. and... I I don't ever lose sight of that gratitude, but at the same time, I also don't lose sight of the responsibility. So I think my crew knows that. And when I walk onto a set, if I'm working with like A-list talent, I respect them, but I'm not going to fawn over them. You know, I'm not someone who wears designer labels. I'm, you know, dressed nicely, but I'm wearing jeans, but I'm absolutely professional. But they may not think a lot of me when you Mm. see me. You know what? Here's the thing. I know what I need to do and I know I can do my job very competently and comfortably. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I'm the most talented producer. I would never dare say that. I'm always learning, but I know how to do my job. Yeah. And I have been successful with the talent because I think they can smell someone who is disingenuous. And I just sort of come in knowing the material. We can make this a great ex- you know, experience and great conversation or it won't be and it will just be cut and dry and we'll call it a day. And I'm fine with that. But I think just the way you can project your energy, that would be kind of how I would sort of snapshot it. As a former production assistant, I would have loved to work for somebody like you because just the way you described it felt so respectful. And I'm imagining that's why your crew knows how you roll because you do respect everybody there and you have those conversations in a way that's not demeaning. And I have seen crazy things just in (laughs) the few shows that I have done. And that diva-ish behavior that you were alluding to that you don't have, that's common, right? People Very. You know, are, are feeling themselves, right? Yep. I have been on sets where it's not feeling very welcoming and it's not feeling like I would want to come back and do this. Right. For me, I just think, look, this is like the greatest job of all time. This is the job that I dreamed of, right? I'm not looking yeah. for landmines in Syria. Yeah. Guys, we're getting paid to go on TV sets and produce content. Yeah. So I believe that we should have fun, but I also don't fuck around. I expect this level and I better get it, you know? And there have been times where my crew, we will bust on each other mercilessly. But if I pull you aside and I say, hey, look, you know, let's just call this guy Bob. Mm -hmm. Bob, what are you doing? Like, you can't do this. When I'm having an actual serious conversation with you, like very directly, they kind of know, like, dude, what the hell, you know? So I think that's been very helpful. And I don't, usually ask a lot of stuff from other people. So going to your earlier point, and I think you know this as a producer too, when I'm a producer, I'm, you know, the liaison for the press representatives, the publicists, the talent, then also my crew, the PA, the electricians, the grips, it's all coming to me. And I truly believe that why can't this just be a fun job? So I tell them what I need. This is what I need, X, Y, and Z. And whatever else happens, let's roll with it. But this is what's expected. And there have been times where like, you know, let's say my PA Bob was this PA Bob. Let me let me just give you one quick anecdote. Bob forgot to bring the camera 
on a shoot. Oh my God. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Bob. How do you forget to bring the camera on a shoot? Yeah. He did it twice. Okay. On two different shoots. So the first time I thought he was kidding. Right. But then he wasn't. And then all I said was get on a subway and go get the camera right now. Oh like stop God. punching the door and go get the camera <laughs> right now. The door. And that's all I said. And the second time I just went dark and I said, go get the camera. And that's mm. all I said. <laughs> And then I couldn't talk to him for the rest of the day because I was so upset and so angry. But yeah, I mean, there's no need for fear. It doesn't need to be fear-based and it shouldn't be. If there are people listening who want to be good leaders, I think we all want to, right? Can you give advice for how, especially women of color, let me say, should oh, best <laughs> um, assert themselves and create the environment that they want when they're dealing with a lot of different people and a lot of different energies and sometimes really tough circumstances? You know, that's something I'm still learning too, Joy. I don't think anyone's really perfected that. But I will yeah. say that every situation is different. You've got to be able to really sort of sit back and watch people's temperaments and personalities. And I will kind of just share this. And this is something that someone said this to me. What it comes down to do is this. Your job, he goes, my job as a producer is not to feed the chaos. It's to manage it. So you're like a fireman, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a five alarm fire. You can't find the damn hose. The hydrant's not working. People are screaming, all of this stuff. You can't go running around screaming too. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of pointless, dude. You're the one mm -hmm. in charge. So this is something I'm still learning. Every situation is different and you have to take the temperature of not just the room and the situation, but the people that you're dealing with and how one may affect the other. Two, you have to be ready with a cool calm head to deal with everything that's coming at you in all different directions. You have to be ready to manage it and steer the plane and hold it steady, no matter what you're feeling inside. And the best way to do this is to not freak out, figure out how best to resolve it or to diffuse it. It doesn't help if you're screaming and f making everything else fear-based because you can't handle your stress. That's your situation. Don't make it someone else's. Even though you're still learning, great advice. <laughs> <laughs> look, I mean, look, and I think as a woman and being a person of color, mm -hmm. it's especially difficult because there's always that line to toe between being firm and trying to be respected, but not coming off shrill. And you can't really act based on that. So I think the best way that we can do it is to be as steady as we can mm -hmm. and to project like you've got this, even if you don't get it, the problem's still spiraling out of control. Work with your team, communicate and figure out how to handle it. Love that. Before we wrap, can you just quickly tell us about your podcast? Just give the audience a little synopsis. So if they want to hear more from you, they can. You got it. So my podcast is called Reppin, which is short for representation. And on the show, you will find very personal, intimate, authentic conversations with notable people. These could be your favorite actors on your favorite shows, your movie stars, best-selling authors to people in the headlines, activists, advocates, anyone that's been in the public eye. And representation for me isn't just about race, color, and gender or orientation, but it's about who you are and what you show up for. Mm -hmm. Do you exemplify the values you say you hold? I hope with every single episode, you'll walk away getting a better sense of who these notable famous people are in real life, how they became the people that we know. And look, Joy, life is difficult enough. Let's learn from their mistakes. Yes. Okay. Let's cheat off of them, for God's yes. sake. 
So, and make our lives easier. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. You will not only walk away feeling inspired, we also look at socially critically important issues like race, like racism, like inequities, problems of all kind, mm-hmm. but through a human perspective yeah. amidst all this arguing and political divisiveness. And yeah. we forget at the heart of it is humanity. And that's where we go back to. So that's my podcast, Reppin'. You'll get to meet famous people and find out what they represent. There we go. Everyone, make sure you check that out. Lots of cool folks behind there and lots of cool stories. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Yes, absolutely. And listen, again, all kidding aside, thank you for having this podcast and having these conversations. These conversations are so important because we need to build that community and we need to be able to spotlight other women Mm -hmm. that are working hard in their own lives and making a difference. These conversations are so important and I appreciate what you're doing and sort of spearheading it. Thank you. It's hard to know if you're experiencing people's crappy personalities, discrimination, or a combination of both sometimes, especially when you're in jobs where you're too busy to stop and think about it too long. Evelyn's job is rare, but I think we can all relate to the fear of how others will perceive us. Are we likable? Do we command respect? Do others see our value? We'll be back next week.